Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, Sydney, um, we have a, <laughs> a sort of unusual situation this week. We have a guest in the studio today. A guest in the studio. A silent, a silent guest. Well, we'll see. That remains to be seen. Yes. As designed, she is a silent guest who is uh, watching weird vids on the iPhone. Normally, she would be in school when we record Sawbones, mm-hmm. but she is not, so... Uh, Charlie Gale McElroy is here with us today. She may have something to say at some point. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's it, up to her. It's up to her. Uh, but it'll probably be, I don't like this weird vid. Give me a new, help me find cookies. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but now that that has, has, has established, you will understand why we say this is also a special episode of Sawbones because we're doing something a little more um, flexible. How's that? <laughs> Well, we love, we love to do episodes where you send us your uh, weird medical questions, your wacky medical inquiries. You're zany. And we answer them. These are not, again, as always, this is not advice. This is just stuff that you want to know about that I may be able to help you find answers for. And, you know, I learned something, too, this time around. Yeah. Um, I learned something upsetting. I, that, that's like the first question. You've so. already given me a sneak preview of this. So I'm going to, but uh, we actually have a late uh, first question. And this is the most important when it comes from Justin. It says, Sydney, why does Charlie get my nice chair in the studio? And I get this terrible task chair that we all hate. And we would throw away if any of us felt like lugging it upstairs. That's the first question it says here. She's because she's being very patient. She has all her life to look forward she's to. She's being very good right now. She has right no now reason but to be patient. So that mommy and daddy can record their podcast. I'm in my twilight years. All I have is this chair and you've taken it from me and given it to her. Yeah. She has youth. She has beauty. She has everything. And she has your chair. She has my brains and my chair. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, this first question is from Lacey. It says, my fiance always yells at me after I go to the bathroom to close the lid of the toilet. She's also kicking me. Close the lid of the <laughs> toilet before flushing. She believes that if you flush the toilet while the lid is open, germs from your recently expelled waste will splash out of the toilet bowl and on and nearby surfaces, making our bathrooms unclean and will in turn make us sick. Am I correct in thinking this isn't how gravity or germs work? And how do I explain to her that leaving the lid open while flushing is perfectly fine? So, Lacey, uh, I did a little digging to check this one out, and I was very disturbed at the results. Mm-hmm. So it turns out 
that in 1975, someone published a study on the effect of what they called toilet plume aerosols. Boy, that's rough. That's already rough. Yeah. When you now this is not true for if you have like one of those low flow, you know, toilets, if you have a low Mm -hmm. flow toilet, then it is not this extensive. But back in 1975, not very many people did. And so a regular powerful flush from your standard (laughs) toilet can shoot a plume of aerosolized droplets into the air 15 feet high. That sucks. (laughs) It sucks. It sucks. Like, we don't have enough to worry about, honestly, really. Now, in 1975, when they published the study, they made the point that your toilet bowl is almost certainly already colonized by lots of different germs, bacteria and viruses, depending on what you've come in contact with and what's in your waste products and if you are sick. And so they they pose this theoretical risk. Could you make yourself sick if you flushed with the toilet seat open? Now, in 2013, they did a review of this literature and they found that while this is still true, that the toilet bowl definitely has these germs in it and you definitely do shoot them into the air when you flush with the toilet seat open. There has so far never been a documented case of someone actually becoming ill from this. Mm-hmm. So it is still just a theoretical risk. There, There is no proof. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but at the end, there was the consideration, maybe just shut your toilet when you flush. And maybe if you store things near your toilet like like toothbrushes like up on the the counter like ours our toilet is right next to our sink where there are like cups with toothbrushes like maybe you might want to put those somewhere else in case you forget occasionally to shut the lid or if somebody else does yeah now this shouldn't be a problem if it's number one right no i mean it's a problem for anything because Uh. like i said the toilet bowl is colonized with whatever has been in there before so now, here's how I discovered this fun fact, beloved listener. I went into the bathroom last night to brush my daughter's teeth. We do chompers. It's a Gimlet Media thing. It's a podcast, but it's also an Alexa skill. If you haven't tried it, do try it because it's fantastic. Just ask Alexa to open chompers. And it's a two-minute morning and night show about brushing your teeth. And it uh, educates your kids. And it's fun. And you get to hear a bunch of... It's actually about all kinds of things. It's about all kinds of things. It's for brushing your teeth, but it teaches you about all kinds of things. But every like 30 seconds, they tell you like, okay, now brush the right upper side of your teeth. Anyway, it's great. And it keeps track of your streak. Uh, We like traveled around with our Alexa for a few months to get to 100, which is the highest you can go. But we did it anyway. It's inspirational. So I went to do Chompers last night and uh, the tooth, the toothbrushes were gone. And um, I was like, Sydney, where, where's Charlie's toothbrush? And she said, oh, I read something today that horrified me and this is a new thing we're gonna start putting them in the drawer so i looked and yeah charlie's was in the drawer and charlie's travel toothbrush was in the drawer and sydney's toothbrush was in the drawer but there's one that wasn't in the drawer justin Uh has this weird electric toothbrush that actually charges itself in the cup that it sits in so i knew if i took it out of the cup it would no longer be charging so i was gonna have a conversation with him about what he wanted to do about toilet plumes And I had not had it yet because I didn't want to tell him until we recorded because we don't he doesn't get to know these things until we record. You were you were talking about the the maintain the integrity of the show above all else. You were talking about the harrowing proximity of our toothbrush eye to the toilet. And which one would you say is perched 
precariously, gargoyle-like, <laughs> above the, the toilet. Yours is the Mine is the, the closest. J'accuse. It has to be near the outlet because you have that weird cup. Anyway, here's the point, Lacey. No one's ever gotten sick from this. So you're. it's fair for you to say that it's probably not going to happen. Except, but at the same time, I'd just go ahead and shut the toilet. I would I would go ahead and give this battle up. I would I would concede this one. It's probably a good habit to be in. How's that? Yeah. It's probably a good You're habit. You're probably safe, but it's such a go ahead and shut the toilet. Such a small risk. Go ahead and shut the toilet. That's what well, at least that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Uh I have one from <sighs> Shell. It says, So recently I've discovered I've got some pretty annoying keratosis pilaris all over my arms and legs. The discovery of them being there isn't new. I've had them most of my life. It's just recently I learned there's a name besides chicken skin or crocodile skin, like the old folks in my family have always called them. Anyhow, I was just wondering how common these little bumps are. Google tells me it's pretty common, but I don't feel like I've really seen them on anyone else. Sydney, I don't know what this is. This is really common. I, I That's why I thought it was worth um, answering this question is because a lot of our listeners may have this and just didn't know there was a name for it. Keratosis pilaris, which is very commonly called chicken skin. It's like little bumps that you might have. They could be red or white. They're little teeny bumps, and they're most commonly up on like your outer upper arms, uh, like up under your shoulders, mm-hmm. like like in that area, um, and your thighs. If you feel, as I'm saying this, you might want to reach up your arm and feel, you may have a few. Um, all it is, it's a genetic disorder. It's totally benign. There's nothing scary or dangerous. It shouldn't cause you any discomfort or itching or anything like that. Um but it's basically where you produce too much keratin and it blocks off the hair follicle and you get a little bump there. Oh. And that's it. It's it's totally benign again. It is present in between 50 and 80% of adolescents. Some people do grow out of it because by adulthood, we find it in about 40% of the population. So it's still incredibly common. Mm-hmm. So it really is. There probably are lots of people who might not know a name for it because they may just have never noticed. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have this. This is a common thing, huh? <clears throat> totally common, totally benign. If it super bothers you, and I mean, and this would be from like a cosmetic standpoint, if you just don't like the way it looks or feels, um, sometimes you can, like there are creams, there are medications you can get from your doctor, topical things that you apply on the outside. Um, pretty easy to, to treat, but it, it probably will come back. That's one thing to know. If it, it's genetic, it'll probably come back. Um, you can help if you keep your skin from getting too dry. Uh but it's but if it doesn't bother you to just be there, you don't have to do anything about it. It's totally benign. I don't want to worry you, but I was feeling for these bumps you're talking about. I actually feel these really big bumps underneath my skin on my arms. Like they're underneath my like the top of my arm. There's just this huge bump. Oh, okay. Right here. Justin is now flexing his muscle it's and rubbing his muscles. Huge... He's now rubbing his biceps. It's like one huge bump Okay, right here. move on to question three. normal? We've got a bunch of questions. It Move on to question number possible. three. It doesn't seem possible. Move on to question number three. It's especially relevant to you. It's from Damien. It says, so despite your husband's better judgment, I got the Nightmare King from Burger King. Aw, oh, Damien, no. I did, however, encourage people to do precisely that and tell me about their dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, can the deliciousness that is this burger really cause nightmares? So, Justin, you referenced... Um, on your other podcast, one of my other dozens one of, your of other podcasts, you referenced this burger and the fact that there was a study that supposedly supported the claim that it can increase actual nightmares uh, if you eat it. Yeah, hold on, Sid. 
No, we wrong show. It's on this podcast. No, we don't do that here. We don't do that. I want a munch. No, Sid. No, Sid. No, Sid. No. This is the first crossover podcast. Justin, can I? If I say it, can I move on? Yeah, I want a munch. Squad. Welcome to Munch Squad. It's a podcast within a podcast, and this time it's in a new show. It's called Sawbones, and so, if you haven't I mean, heard have me so cover this, I just want to tell what the burger is really quick. Okay, really I quick. I ate one, and I was shocked that you didn't give me more trouble about it. It is a burger patty with bacon and cheese and burger fixings and mayonnaise and a chicken breast. Yes. That's the nightmare part of it, and that's what they're saying is, give me nightmares. And it's also green. It's also the bun is green. Yeah. It looks like a Charlie said, "Yeah, um, you know, you know what it looks like in person. You remember, you can't do that on television. Remember mm-hmm. the guy barf the chef on you can't do that on television. The yes. stuff he made, yes, that's what it looks like. So it looks like a garbage pail kid version of a hamburger. So they really did do a study of sorts. Burger King did a study with Paramount Trials and Florida Sleep and Neurodiagnostics Services, and basically a hundred people ate the burger for ten nights before they went to bed." And then they were observed while they slept. And they said, did they give you nightmares? And what they said is that the average, uh, on average, like 4% of the population has nightmares on any given night. And in this study, it increased by three and a half times. Now, the problem, the number one problem is um, there was no control group. Uh, That's the number one problem. With well, this entire situation, so the number one problem is that they didn't have a control group. They, they talk to you about nightmares ahead of time, and they ask you questions about nightmares, and they ask you if you had any nightmares. There's a lot of of bias. You needed to do that, and then have people eat something that wasn't the nightmare burger. Believe me, friends, you would know if you had eaten the nightmare burger. There would be no control group that you could establish so, for this sandwich. <laughs> there has never been a proven link between what you eat and nightmares. So I thought I would address that. Yeah, well, they've, until, they've never found now, no, no, they've now. never found that like eating certain foods are more likely to give you nightmares or not. Like they've done some studies to find like people who are really thirsty, like who hadn't had enough water, like sometimes dream of dream of water. But like uh, past that, like there's really no influence as to like what you eat. Like that whole th- bit Scrooge does about a bit of undigested beef or mm-hmm. a blob of mustard, an old potato. Yeah, none of that is. There's there's never been anything like that. So it. No, it can't give you nightmares. Uh, Amanda says, if I have more than one, maybe two, uh, that is more than one, uh, alcoholic drinks in a night, no matter what kind of alcohol, I pretty much always wake up around two or three in the morning, 100% of the time. Then I have a hard time getting back to sleep. Surely some of that is due to anxiety, but I think it's the alcohol that wakes me up in the first place. Why? I suspect sugar has something to do with it. Um, I kind of know this one a little bit. Go for it. Uh, alcohol helps you fall asleep, mm-hmm. but is bad for your sleep overall. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's yes. true. That is very true. That's exactly right. Alcohol does reduce sleep latency, which is the time between when your head hits the pillow and when you fall asleep. So you fall asleep faster, which you, I mean, most, most people who have ever had a drink before bed could probably attest to that. Um, but it messes up what we call your sleep architecture. And that's kind of the how you go in and out of deeper stages of sleep as mm-hmm. you, you know, throughout the night. That's supposed to go in a regulated fashion. And alcohol takes you into deeper stages of sleep faster. And you skip the REM sleep that you need. And then as you metabolize the alcohol and it's coming out of your system, you actually 
rebound into those lighter stages of sleep and probably have like micro awakenings that you don't even know you're having having so your sleep is poor mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not getting good sleep you need and then actual awakenings that you are noticing so it's the alcohol coming out of your system that is actually waking you up which is probably which is why you wake up early you know in the middle of the night or, or early in the morning um it also contributes to like it messes with your pituitary hormones mm-hmm. so things like um melatonin or a problem prolactin uh also neurotransmitters chemicals in your brain that send signals things like gaba and adenosine all these things are affected by alcohol so overall alcohol is bad for sleep you really shouldn't drink right before you go to bed to get good sleep um i saw somebody make a point that like the key the best time to drink throughout the day is happy hour oh yeah that happy hour because you'll metabolize the alcohol before you go to bed so it won't mess up your sleep I don't I don't know if I have a study to support that that's true, but I will say if you drink right before you go to bed, it will mess up your sleep. And this is a problem because up to 20 percent of adults in the U.S. use alcohol to help them sleep at times. So So it's it's not short term fix, but not a long term. No, overall, you're going to have disrupted sleep and fatigue if you use alcohol to help you sleep. So don't don't do it. Uh, Dave says, during a Mabimim episode, Justin asked you a medical question, but we never got an answer. When a person with a penis gains weight, does their penis also gain weight? Why or why not? I thought I could continue never answering this question forever. Nope. But here it is. No. Someone at a uh, a live show uh, uh, at our book signing mm-hmm. actually asked you this. Yes. Follow up. Yes. Young fan. Yes. So the people need to know and know the penis just doesn't. It just doesn't gain weight. It's just not an area where a lot of adipose tissue is going to accumulate. That's where you gain weight. Places where you're going to store a lot of fat tissue, adipose tissue, and you don't tend to do that in penis tissue. So... The penis will not get bigger with weight gain. If anything, actually, just on a side note, if you gain uh, more weight, you your penis may actually start to look a little shorter um, because like the, a, a good amount of the penis is actually like the base is actually kind of inside the body. Uh-huh. And the less adipose tissue there is in that area, the more of that you can see. So the penis can look lengthier. Okay. So weight gain might, it doesn't actually change the size of the penis in any way, mm-hmm. but it actually might appear somewhat shorter if you gain weight. And if you lose weight, it might appear somewhat longer, but and, and, and it's not actually changing. Mo says, I grew up in Australia and a common home remedy for an ulcer in the mouth is to put Vegemite on it. I always assumed because it was rather salty, so it's an alternative to washing your mouth with salt water. Are there any home remedies you grew up with and still use regardless of your medical knowledge? I had to really think about this one because I, I, since I know how many don't work, even the things that I used to use when I was a kid or like that mom still tells me to do sometimes, I won't because um, I stubbornly and ins- like I know they don't work, so I won't do it. Uh, I do employ the honey for a cough for kids over the age of one. Um, who who have a cough because there's really no good medicine. Uh-huh. Like I mean, honestly, a lot of the over-the-counter cough and cold medicine you just shouldn't use for kids. Yeah. Outside of like don't Tylenol, go to, don't go to the pharmacy and buy the homeopathic cold kids don't. remedy. It's just honey. <clears throat> it's honey that's charging you yeah. four times. And as and you time. can give your kid a spoonful of honey as long as they're over one, and that and that would be fine. The evidence for it isn't amazing, but there is some. So I use it because even if it's not helping a lot, it's harmless and it's honey. So I gave her a spoonful of honey. She likes that. So I do that, even though the, the, there is evidence, but it's just not crazy robust. Um, and then we have been known, we do have a jar of Vicks Vapo Rub 
even though that really doesn't do anything. Um, you use I, Afrin. Yeah, is that a home remedy? I mean, it's not a home remedy, but it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, studies say it doesn't work. Um, so these are, I don't, I don't really use a lot of home remedies. The only thing I've ever really been guilty of is ginger, and there's evidence for ginger. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not, but you're not going to find this, even the stuff that does work, that's like herbal or um, like a home remedy kind of thing, like what we'd call folk medicine, even the stuff that, that probably does work to some degree, you're never going to find a lot of robust evidence for it. But no. No. no, my skepticism has driven me away from it. Sid's ruined a lot of them for me. I used to try like elderberry for cold and uh, emergency. You use Zycam and Zycam vitamin C. Yeah. Nothing works. No. No medicine works. Sid's ruined all of it for me. That's not true. Philip <laughs> says, why do I always have to poop after I exercise? Why do I always have to poop after I exercise? Philip didn't include the question twice, but I... Stumble the first time, and I feel like I'd just read it. Say it one more time because it's fun to say. We we kind of talked about this before when we talked about runner's trots, runner's <laughs> diarrhea, um, which has to do with just a lack of blood flow to your intestines. Runner's trots is just good old-fashioned American diarrhea. <laughs> it has to do with uh, when you are exercising and using your muscles, you're diverting blood flow there to, like, you know, use them because that's what your blood needs. You, you need oxygen when you're using your muscles. And so they divert it away, it diverts it away from your intestines and uh, that can cause diarrhea later and dehydration can. Um, There's also just with exercise in general, I didn't know if I'd ever mentioned this before, the mechanical, like the jostling of your intestines adds to that. It shakes everything up, knocks them loose. It's one of the things we tell somebody like who's been in the hospital for a while and is, and as a result, can't poop, is constipated. Um, they need plenty of fluids. Obviously, if they haven't been eating, we got to get a diet back back on board. But the other thing is to get up and walk if you can. Get up and str- walk the hallways. Movement can stimulate your bowels, so it makes sense that all that jostling around can as well. Uh, well, folks, we got a, a bunch more great questions, uh, but we are running long, so I am going to take control here and uh, shuffle us quickly to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 
to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Caroline, or Carolyn, what to say? Caroline, let's go with Caroline. I'm a 19-year-old girl in college. Over the summer, I started the pill. Since then, I've been noticing some fluctuations in my sex drive. It seems like before I started taking the pill, I was just ready to go all the time, 24-7. And now I'll go weeks where I'm just not feeling it at all. Then I'll be super horny out of the blue. Is it my birth control, or am I just aging? I think this is a great question because... The the truth about birth control is that it was the the need for reproductive freedom is so strong and so present even today that a lot of the the real deal side effects and drawbacks to birth control as it was it was originally conceived were kind of overlooked because people who had uteruses were so desperate for some way to control that, to, you know, to take control of that part of their sex life and that part of their uh, future. Um, And there are real side effects for sure. And they're different for everybody, which is why there are a lot of different kinds of birth control. And you should, if you're not sure about the kind you're using, if you're having problems, you should always talk to your doctor. There may be a better option. All that being said, it's really unclear exactly how birth control tends to affect uh, libido for most people some have shown an increase in libido others have shown a decrease in libido probably for most people on birth control there isn't a significant change in libido one way or the other but it definitely can have an effect for some patients Mm. it can depend on the kind of birth control and just how it's interacting with you i would say it's not aging because you're still in the grand scheme of things, quite young. I do not mean that in a derogatory way. You're just, you're on the young side. I would not expect your libido to be exp- to be affected yet um, based on your age. So it could be, I guess, is the answer. It's unlikely to, that birth control will decrease libido, but it is certainly possible. I would go talk to your doctor and see if there maybe is something else that, that wouldn't affect you that way. Because it's possible. Here's a question from Elspeth. It says, I've heard some people say it's okay if you don't have periods. And some people say it's unhealthy if you don't have them, uh, e.g. on birth control, etc., because it's supposed to, quote, clean out everything. Sydney, what's your take on this? 
it is no problem if you don't have a period uh as well as long as you know by the way that you are not pregnant um that that would be the only thing i would say is that if you're not having a period and you could be pregnant and you haven't taken a pregnancy test i would do that because it's important to know Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but barring that specific scenario if you are taking birth control and so you're not having periods or if you just are very irregular and you don't have periods very frequently, that's okay. That's, I mean, if it's not bothering you, there's nothing inherently dangerous or bad for your system. Uh, as someone who has, um, myself, I have PCOS and I have incredibly irregular periods. I will go months and months. It's fine for me. It's just, it's nice not to have them personally. Um, although it is a major hassle cause you never know when they're coming. So that's kind of annoying. But uh, if it's not bothering you and you know that you're not pregnant, I always want to reiterate that because you should find that out if you think that's a possibility. Barring that, it's really okay for your body not to have a period. Here's a question from Austin. Do uh, women actually have more hormones than men? Or is that a somewhat sexist saying like being hysterical? I'm assuming this is in reference to the idea that um, like the, the comment, oh, she's just being hormonal. I think that's probably what we're referencing here. Mm-hmm. That that would be a sexist thing right. to say. Right. Yeah, I, I would say that it's still a sexist thing to say um, because we all have lots of hormones, all of us, and all of us have them in varying amounts. Uh, the hormones we typically think of as the quote unquote female hormone, like estrogen, or male hormone, quote, you know, quote unquote male hormone, like testosterone. Um, those things are certainly present in different amounts. And a lot of that has to do with what kind of secondary sexual characteristics we develop. So does a person develop breasts or do they have a penis or a vagina and all that? Obviously, those things are all under the influence of hormones, but we all have lots of hormones floating around in there that do all kinds of things. And you don't have more based on your gender or based on the genitalia that you have. You just have different ones. So, yeah, I would... That would be my general advice to everybody is don't ever call anyone hormonal in reference to anything. Yeah, it's just like a wild thing to say yeah. about anybody in any context, honestly. Yeah, I just wouldn't. And 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 they fluctuate throughout our lives at different ages, too. So we have different amounts at different ages. It's just, yeah, hormones do a lot of stuff and they have nothing to do with um, if you just don't like the way somebody's acting. Yeah. I I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, Jared says, I've read there are more bacteria cells than human cells in our bodies. Is this true? If so, how much of our mass slash weight is actually bacteria? This is a myth that I had to bust on myself. I used to think this. I used to say this because I had heard this too, that we are more bacteria than human. It's actually probably closer to one to one than the average human. In a mass weight or number? Number of cells. Number Number of of cells, number of bacteria is probably around the same. I saw, I think the number was like in, if you take like a, an average size human, which is like a 70 kilo human, I think it's like your standard size, you would have like 39 trillion cells and like 30 trillion bacteria. Okay. But like, if we were, if you were to take all that bacteria out of us and just like put it in a bucket, would it be like half our body weight? And Uh, and what would it look like? It would. Just it would look like a bunch of bacteria. I don't know. It would look gross. It'd be so gross. But I mean, they're it? microscopic. So like, all cells you'd are microscopic, ha- individually yeah. speaking, right? Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you have enough of them, I don't know. 
is wild. It's wild to think about. It's wild to think but about. But the, the point is, the point, and, and it varies. Some people might have one-to-one bacteria to human. Some people might be two-to-one in one direction or the other. Um, but the old, I think they we know used the people to that say, are two to one bacteria <laughs> to human. I think that's uh, pretty obvious at this point. We used to think we were ten to one bacteria to human, and that is, we know that's not true. That most of us are pretty close to to a dead heat between bacteria and, and human cells. Uh, here's a question from Frank: Is it true that if you eat too many carrots, your skin starts to turn orange? Are there other foods this is true for? Yes, you can. You have to eat a lot, but yes, your skin can get start to get like a a yellowish, orangish sheen. Yes, if you eat a lot of anything with beta carotene in it is what it is. That's what's in carrots. It's most noticeable on the palms and soles. You can distinguish it, by the way, from jaundice. You know, jaundice when your liver isn't working correctly, Mm -hmm. because then like the whites of your eyes will turn yellow and that won't happen if it's due to carrots. Um, Yeah, there are other things that can do this. Eating too many tomatoes can make your skin kind of yellowish orange as well. And it's because of uh, lycopene mm-hmm. in the tomatoes that can accumulate. Um, huh. Any of these things that change your skin color like this uh, from, from just eating too much of it, you can change back if you don't like it by eating less. You just avoid carrots for a while, avoid tomatoes for a while, whatever it is. And your skin will gradually, I mean, it takes a while, but over the course of months, it will go back to the way it looked you previously. You have to do a detox. A special, <laughs> special detox that I'm selling right now. It's most commonly seen in kids, which I guess is just because as we get older, we realize like, man, there's stuff that tastes better than carrots. Or when you're a kid, <laughs> you're like, if your parents can figure out one vegetable that you like, it's just like, oh, thank God. That's probably what it is. I can sleep at night and feel like a decent parent. Here, eat 30 carrots. I bet you that's what it is. Because like our our kids always loved like carrots and sweet potatoes and squash and pumpkin. I'm surprised they didn't turn orange. Yeah. Uh, Anna comes in with our last question. Uh, okay, when my nipples are stimulated, I feel weirdly sad, specifically homesick. I looked it up, and apparently this happens to a lot of people. What the heck is that all about? Uh, I I sympathize with this because I have experienced it before. Um, it is so dysphoria, that, that kind of sad feeling that can happen with nipple stimulation is really well known. Because it tends to happen a lot to people who breastfeed, they call it DMER, dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And it is that that feeling of like sadness, longing, want, need, homesickness is a good way to describe it. There, there are a lot of different terms people use to describe it, but it happens a lot while people are breastfeeding um, as the milk lets down. So weird. Bodies yes. are weird, Sid. It's a weird feeling. I have experienced it myself. Um, I used to describe it as thirst. You would get thirsty? It made me feel like I needed like to go have a cold drink of water. I would feel like acutely dehydrated or something. I don't know. It's a it's a weird feeling if you've ever experienced it, but it is it is common. We don't really have a great name for it happening outside of breastfeeding so far because it was that was kind of where it was first described, but now we've realized that it can happen with any kind of nipple stimulation to some people, not to everybody, mm-hmm. but to some people. Um it, the mechanism is not completely understood. We think it has something to do with prolactin and dopamine and like those things uh prolactin specifically can be released um either for breastfeeding or also just with any kind of like sexual stimulation or orgasm it can. So that's why nipple stimulation of any kind can do this. And it has something to do with maybe a drop in dopamine 
we think, but it's still poorly understood. But it is it is a known entity. It's not just you. A lot of people experience it. And I I really don't have a great way to tell you to combat it. It yeah. just happens. Bodies are so weird. Okay, this is actually the last one. It's from Nick. I have two little boys, two and three years old. Sometimes they fill their mouths too full of food, and it just kind of sits there for a bit and gets chewed up a little bit before they spit it out. I try to tell myself they get a little nutrition out of this. Am I just fooling myself? You're not completely fooling yourself. Um, it's just probably not the nutrition that you want. The main thing that you can absorb through, because your mouth is lined with a mucous membrane, so you can absorb things through your mouth. That's why um, some medications, like we absorb under our tongue, you know? Oh, right, right, right. So like you can absorb things through your mouth, for sure. Um, and you, there's stuff in your saliva, enzymes that can break things down. But most of what you can absorb through your mouth quickly is sugar. So like carbohydrates and sugars could be re- could be absorbed through your mouth in that way, possibly. But like proteins and fats and a lot of vitamins and things, most of the stuff you're wanting the kids to get is it really needs to make it to the small intestine to get it. So um, a little, but you're not completely wrong, but a little. Uh, folks, that is going to do it for us uh, this week. Thank you so much for listening to our program. Thanks to the taxpayers for the use of our song medicines as the introduction of our program. We have a book. It's called Sawbones the Book. You can find it on Amazon or at fine bookstores. It's actually called the Sawbones book. The Sawbones book. That's what I said. You said Sawbones the book. Sawbones the book. It's the Sawbones book. Correct. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Um If you want a signed copy, you might be able to call the books a million at in a... Charleston mm-hmm. at the Dudley Farms Plaza or the Huntington Mall. The Books a Million's there. We just signed a bunch of them and left them in stock. So if you call them, and they might ship you a signed one. I don't know if that'll work or not, but it's worth trying. Um, real quick, we wanted to tell you, there. Uh, if we could just ask for your help with something, it's it's not like, this is probably asking too much of you, but um, there is a billboard that just went up in Huntington that is uh, trying to reinforce the, the not reinforce, Trying to espouse the dangers of vaccines. Trying to discourage people from, really from trusting their their medical professionals' advice on vaccines and instead directing them to their website for advice about their own health. It's basically trying to, it's capitalizing on the death of a child and trying to trying to teach people that vaccines can kill. It's at uh, 825 Halgar Boulevard here in Huntington, West Virginia. And the company that owns the billboard itself is called uh, West Virginia Outdoor Advertising. Their phone number is 304-342-0932. Since uh, herd immunity affects all of us, uh, I feel like this is an issue that everybody can get fired up about. And um, just, you know, kind of politely explain to this company that even though they legally may have the right to put this billboard up, they're hurting their community. And it is dangerous and reckless to take uh, money from groups like this and maybe tell them how great vaccines are and how they're risking the lives of kids yeah maybe I, a fun fun thing we have tried i have tried i've called several times i've spoken and been promised calls back in response to my concerns and have never received any calls back never an- never gotten any answers to my emails um nothing. nothing they're silent on it and while again there may not be a legal reason they have to take it down if it were me i would not want to be complicit in bringing harm to my community by discouraging families from getting vaccines. So again, that number 304-342-0932. If you hate the phone, uh, W Leslie at wvoutdoor.com is Wade Leslie. That's the president of the company. Just maybe let him know how you feel. Uh, again, we're, 
infringing on your generosity, but we thought we'd we'd ask for your help to help fight the good fight here. Um, That is going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for uh, being here with us. Anything else, Sid? Uh, Just one thing I wanted to mention. If last week's episode, if you downloaded the original file that was in stereo, uh, one that was an accident. A lot of people were like, if you're going to do this with your show, we're very upset. Yeah. And I understand. We're not going to do that with the show. It was an accident. If you redownload it, it is no longer in stereo. So it will sound the way all of our episodes sound and we will continue to make them sound. And we are sorry for that inconvenience. It was a complete accident. Not meant to be creepy. As I understand it, it was. That's what for people sure. said. It was very creepy. We did not mean for it to be creepy. And I'm sorry. Folks, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.